We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, let's go mailbag time. We did have some questions there. Uh, Now that we're in mailbag time, you can have a conversation. You can ask us about whatever you want. Some of the stuff we'll be comfortable talking about. Some we won't. But uh, let's get into the mailbag, Ryan. We have a question here from BRBRKRKR1. Brian, do you recall Jeff Alm from the 1988 National Championship team, 6DN? So thought of him when the talk of the size of Riley Mills, both from Chicagoland. Alm played with a great ferocity. Rest in peace to Jeff Alm. Obviously, he passed away several years ago. You know, I I kind of get it, but the thing about Jeff Alm, and I, I do vaguely remember him a little bit. Ryan, you might remember him from the pros. He played in the NFL for a while, but it was a long time ago. He was really long, but Riley, the thing about Riley is I see the length comparison, but Riley's huge. Riley is huge. Huge. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's a big kid. I mean, Jeff Alm was like 250, I think, or so. I think those was 290 plus pounds. So, Massive. yeah, yeah. The, it, the name, I know, player. I know, it's not a Notre Dame comp, but I think the name I threw out there before was Grant Winstrom. Like when he played at Nebraska, like Grant Winstrom mm-hmm. was just a massive, massive dude. And I'll be completely honest, this is super hyperbolic. But one day before the show, we were watching the practice highlights. Brian, remember, and I said like. Why does he look like J.J. Watt right there? Like, that's mm-hmm. insane, man. Like, he's rocking the 99. He's long, huge, like just a massive young man. So Yeah, and they need him to step up this year. I mean, he's a very important piece of this whole thing. They need him to, to be healthy. They need to play well. They need to be productive. I mean, they're going to really need him. But I'll tell you what, one thing. I, it was it was interesting. I, I was on um, the Horn uh, this morning. It's a show down in Austin, Texas. They're doing their, their preseason preview, and – and I went on there again, and I'm talking about Notre Dame, and they were talking about you know Notre Dame's lack of size on the defensive line. They big enough, and I'm like, you know, they are at end. And, and I was sitting there thinking about this, like, you know, Notre Dame. I, I got to do the math here, but Notre Dame might be might actually average more weight in the starting defensive ends than they do at the starting defensive tackles. Uh, when do. you when you consider, so I, I'm actually going to kind of go down here and actually do that because I. I think they have Jacob Lacey's, or I mean, excuse me, uh, Howard Cross's weight a little bit puffed up on the roster, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, but hey, it, it's all good. But they have they have Howard Cross at two seventy six, 
and Jason Adam at 285. So I'm going to do the math here real quick uh, as we're talking. But the reality is with this, Ryan, is is these two guys, Blake uh, Riley Mills and Isaiah Foskey. One of the articles I'm going to write here soon is Notre Dame's defensive line is going to – Notre Dame's defense has to get better against the run. They've been good against the run, but they've always been pretty inconsistent. Last year in the, in the second half of the year, Marcus Freeman's run defense outside of scrambles against North Carolina was dominant. Mm-hmm. But they were not – they were really – I mean, first two weeks they were really, really sketchy. They need to get better against the run. And honestly, I think these two kids are a big part of it. The ends are going to have to be dominant players. Because that's where the size, the power, and the strength is. I mean, they have to be they have to be dominant players. And if they can be that, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of the defensive tackles. And by the way, the defensive tackles are four pounds heavier than the defensive ends on weight. Now that's not average, that's total. The two <laughs> the two tackles are five hundred and sixty-one pounds, the two ends are five hundred and fifty-seven combined pounds. But the, the, the ends are going to – I mean, best way to take pressure off of the defensive tackles is to bl- dominate the edge and funnel everything back inside if that's what you're doing. So either force it back inside or spill it outside, whatever you want to do, but be dominant with it and force the running backs to declare early. I think defensive ends can have a big, big play in that. And, and Riley Mills, a big end that's not dominant against the run is a, is, is a problem for your defense. And that – the pass rush is going to be great, but that's where I really need to see Riley Mills, especially against Ohio State, really perform is as a stout edge defender against the run. Brian, you want a great talking point? When's the last time Notre Dame's smallest defensive end was 6'5", 260-plus pounds with 35-inch I know, right? Like, it's insane, man. It's it's insane to think about. Yeah. In a lot of defenses, if you're playing a weak side and a strong side defensive end, Isaiah Foskey would be the strong side defensive yes. end from a size perspective, but you have a 6'5", 293 kid on the other side of it, right. which is just ridiculous to think about, right. man. Like, that is just crazy, yeah. crazy size. Yeah, and he doesn't look – he's not fat. He's just huge. I mean, he's just massive. a big kid. Broad shoulders, yeah. no bad – like, he's just yeah. a big guy. Like, he, lo- yeah. he looks like he was a – farming in iowa sure, somewhere sure. Like, that's what he looks like man right. like he looks like he just was throwing hay bales all over the place well like that's why i think that's... is the nebraska comparison really makes a lot of sense because Which they just had this big kids i mean they just had these like just kind of walk through the door like big necks big broad shoulders yep. you know just really filled out and that's just kind of what they brought to the table and obviously that's you know that's kind of where notre dame is is uh it, it, they need him to be that kind of guy and they need him to play like he looks that's the big thing i think he will i'm, I'm very high on very high on on him this season as and I've been high on him for the last couple of years everybody knows that but I think he's a very important piece of this whole thing there's no doubt we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had a question. We, and some of these questions, Ryan, we held over, they are related to the quarterback. So we will talk about those as well. There's some really good questions here and, and, and keep them coming because we'll obviously a- a- answer some more as we kind of, as we kind of get close to this conversation. So, uh, John A1 asks, how does Buckner's arm strength compare to Jack Cohn's? Did we even see Jack's arm strength due to protection issues? I, I think answer I, the latter part, if you could, Ryan, answer the latter part first and mm-hmm. then the comparison. Yeah, I, I think, John, it, it it did limit the ability to see the full arsenal of Jack's arm strength. Like I remember seeing him at the East-West Shrine game, and I, I felt like he looked like a completely different player because he was able to just kind of settle and, and really have better pockets and – hit some tighter window throws and hit some throws outside the numbers and do all that type of stuff. So I do think that the protection did limit him to a degree. I would hundred percent agree with that. I still think that Tyler Buckner has a stronger arm than Jack. I think Jack's ball placement is more consistent right now than Tyler, but if we're just talking about pure arm strength. I would take Tyler. And especially I, I think Tyler's much also better at using those different arm angles and kind of changing his platform a little bit. Jack, is a very consistent thrower of the football. I feel like every throw just looks super on point, on point, on point. Like Brian talked about teach tape. If you want to teach tape, you would show him Jack Cohn because every release mm-hmm. is the same. Everything looks solid in that regard. Tyler is much more of a freelancer at mm-hmm. times from an arm arm angle perspective, mm-hmm. but I do think he has more raw arm strength than, than Jack Cohn does. Hmm. I would agree with that. I think that Jack also had to muscle up on some throws that I think Tyler kind of makes somewhat naturally. Yes, I, I do. And, and I think, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I think when you do combine the speed of his, Zach had a, Jack didn't have a long delivery. He just had longer delivery. How about that compared to Tyler? Mm-hmm. That factors in, in arm strength because if if your arm is slightly better than mine, but I'm getting the ball out a second and a half faster than yours. Guess what? My throw is going to get there faster. Right. And that's, you know, that's kind of the reality of it. So I would agree with you there. I would agree with you there. And we did see Jack's arm strength at times last year. I think especially second half of the year, mm-hmm. we got to see him stretch the field. I mean, we got to see his arm strength and at times lack of against Oklahoma state. We got to see it against Stanford. We got to see it against Georgia tech. We got to see it against, you know, against North Carolina at times. I mean, so we got to see it. Uh, we got to see a little sure. bit against North against Florida State. We just didn't see it as much as we had needed to in the big games for because of the protection issues. But we got to see it at times. There's no doubt. Yep. Tom Creepy asked us. He's hit for the. He wanted this for the mailbag. But where do we go now that Ronan is going to Clemson? So we had something on the board about this yesterday, Ryan. Uh, yeah. So premium members kind of know where this is going. We dropped an intel sure. piece last night. Uh, on this, we talked about uh, what happened with Ronan. So if you're sure, like, how did Ronan end up at Clemson? We had a long intel piece on that yesterday. 
obviously Ronan committed there yesterday, Ryan, but you know, you talked about it in the mailbag today. So we definitely have some stuff out there. Let's talk about it now in the mail in, in the show, Ryan is where's Notre Dame go now? I mean, there's, there's two targets, but there's one clearly that Notre Dame is focusing on right now. Yeah. Well, so both out of the state of California, one is Tayshawn Lyons. The other one is Malachi Riley. Tayshawn Lyons is the one that received his offer pretty recently. That is the target right now for Notre Dame. We have in our in Brian's intel piece that he dropped on the board, he is exce- he's, um, expected, excuse me, to ha- take a, vi- a game visit to Notre Dame this this year um, against California. Should be the game that he that's what they're most working on for now. Working right. on, yeah, right. not a finalized thing, but that is what the aiming is for the, the scheduled visit. I, from everything we have been told and everything we've heard. Staff likes Tayshon. I like his film a ton yeah. too. He's a longer kid, 6'2", but he's got some length, only 170 pounds, but over 30 yards of catch last year. I think he's got a really appealing combination of athleticism and body type where I think that he can hold a substantial amount of weight. So in this class where he would be the fifth wide receiver in theory, if they're able to land him, I think he is a really nice developmental wide receiver for a part of the class. I would have loved to have had a kid like him as the number two last year's class, just exactly. because he's... You know, but I, I think I was talking with someone, a couple people yesterday about this. I was like, look, there's some projection to Tayshawn Lyons, right? That's why he, you know, to me, I wouldn't rank him as a top 100 receiver, right? Like, I wouldn't go there because, like you said, sizes, he's really skinny. His game is not overly refined right now. He's just really explosive on yes. the field uh, in two ways. He can stretch the field, but then also he does some stuff on, on film after the catch. His numbers are nuts. He has 16, according to his stats last year on max preps, he had 16 touchdown catches last year, which is really impressive. But when you dive into the total numbers, he had 28 receptions on the year, Ryan. That means he caught the ball 28 times and scored a touchdown on 16 of them. And if you go watch his film, a lot of those touchdowns, he was doing all the work. And he had over 900 yards receiving on just 28 catches. This is a big play kid. But he's a projectable kid. He's a lower floor, higher ceiling guy. That and and the 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 concern with always with the kids like that is the the greater gap there is between your floor and your ceiling, the greater their room there is that you don't pan out, right? To sure. some degree. But if this is your fifth receiver in a class, if they get him again, there's a long time to go. They got to get him on camp. He has not visited campus yet. You know things are going well now, but let's see how they go over the next month. But if you're able to add a kid like him or even Malachi Riley, who's a good player, I thought you nailed the explanation of Malachi Riley in your mailback today. You said he he's a good football player, He had, but there's just nothing great about him. He's just a mm-hmm. good football player. Yeah. That's fine. I'm cool. What I like about this staff is that they're – they're all it's almost an on almost every instance they have erred on the side of the upside, and I yep. like that. And they're doing that here. Like Malachi Riley is a more certain player, in my opinion. Tayshawn Lyons is the higher upside guy, and I like that they're taking that that flyer on the upside guy because if he hits, you've got an explosive playmaker, and that, that complements what you have. You know, taller kid, speedy kid can do things after the catch. You know, he's, he's got a little bit of Dylan Edwards in him as far as after the mm-hmm. catch. He's got a little bit of Braylon James in him as far as stretching the, the field. His body is a little bit height-wise, is a little closer to Rico. He's a really interesting kid. And, you know, you yes. get a kid like that as your fifth receiver, 
you're doing pretty good at wide receiver in recruiting. There's no doubt about a, it. A, a stat that I found, well, I I guess I kind of did the math on it though, but he had 70% of the team's receiving yardage last year on only 28 catches. Right. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense, man. Like the team didn't throw the ball a ton, but still you had 70% of the total receiving yards on the team and you only had 28 receptions. That no. if that doesn't say big play threat, I don't know what else would say. I mean, what was it? Right. 31 yards to catch, whatever it was. Like it's like 32, 32.4, I think is what it was, which is nuts. It's gross, man. It's gross. Yeah. 16 touchdowns on 28 catches. That's yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely decent, nuts. De- decent percentage. Decent yeah. percentage there. Now, again, in the past, a kid like this would have been your second or third receiver. And yeah. that's where I would have complained. Like, look, you can't have a kid with this kind of gap between floor and ceiling as your number two, number three receiver. But I love kids like this as your number five, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this is, this is what I like about it is, and you know, they, they, the, here's the other thing too, that I like about the staff. They have been talking to Tayshawn Lyons for a while. Like, I think sometimes yeah. people kind of think that, well, oh, we, because like, so the backs are Ronan Hannafin. I won't get into it. You have to look at the board, but Notre Dame's known for over a week that Ronan was definitely going somewhere else. And they've been concerned about it for a little while. But even when they thought they were going to get Ronan, they were still talking to other guys just in case. Right. And so they have been building this relationship with Tayshawn Lyons for a little bit now, not like super long, but a little bit now. So when the offer came, it wasn't like, because remember with Josh Manning, they just kind of offered him. Yeah. They never really talked to him before. This is different. They're handling this one really well in that. And, and in their defense, it, it, they didn't really know about him until they got on the road. That's why they handled it that way. But with Tayshawn, they knew about him. They've been recruiting him for a little bit. So when the offer came, it was a lot cleaner to say, okay, the interest had already been peaked. Then the offer came with a little bit more meaning. Right. That is kind of the That is kind of where we're at with that. So that's why I think they've been able to kind of make a move with him a little bit faster than you otherwise would think for a kid that they just offered. Same thing with Dylan Edwards. Part of the reason things worked out so quickly with Notre Dame and Dylan Edwards is he already had an established relationship with, with Dylan McCullough, much like the relationship that Braylon James and Jane Greathouse had with Chancey Stuckey. Mm -hmm. So those are things that are helping Notre Dame in in, in this instance. So um, that's, that's where we're at for that. 99 props BK1 is Tyler Buckner or is Notre Dame going to use his legs to set up the pass or the pass to set up the run with Tyler Buckner? Or is that the thought will uh, will intent or is that thought well intentioned but off target on how Tyler Buckner's multifaceted talent is properly used? I think the answer to the first question is both yes. I mean, there's going to be games where setting up the run to start out the game is going to be paramount for the pace of the game. I think of Ohio state, for instance, there's going to be other games where like, Hey, let's open up with the pass a little bit and we're going to ease the run and set up the run that way. I don't think there's one way that's the correct way to do it. I think that it's, it, it's that, that this is the feel side to the game from a coaching perspective, right? Like you go into a game and you just kind of have a general understanding of like, Hey, let's start out this way. Let's start out that way. And then you ease into it. The great thing, 99 problems, in my opinion is that Tyler Buckner has both sides of the coin, so you can choose. I mean, it really is kind of dictating pace at that point. You can really work either side of it. You don't have to just say, like, hey, we need to run to set up the pass consistently. You can open up the passing game at times and then turn back into the run game. So I think that you can go either way in that department, and I think that's the type of athlete that Tyler Buckner is, that he gives you that possibility offensively. I just need to make a note. I just got a quick message 
Uh, I um, need to let some of our li- readers know, uh, listeners know that um, it is okay to occasionally not catch the show live and go back and listen to it later, especially if your uh, if your wife uh, or your child have needs. So uh, maybe if like some of our readers, like I don't know, Jacob Hayden, uh, you know, like sometimes it's okay to say, you know, what, I'll catch this later. Uh, you know, I need to go handle some business, but I, I really appreciate the message. It was actually a, a really, a really cool message. I just got, uh, just got a chance to see a picture of Jacob's daughter too. She's or his, uh, yes, I believe so. Uh, I believe that's his daughter. I think that I read that correctly. Uh, but their baby is absolutely adorable. So we appreciate all your support so much. I, it, it, I had a lady one time who said, you're going to end my marriage. I said, what? <laughs> she said, all my <laughs> husband does is listen to your show. She was saying it a good fun. But we certainly appreciate that. And we're trying to get everybody, everybody involved, all the family involved in our show. So absolutely. But we appreciate that very, very, very much. Uh, and Jacob, we definitely appreciate Just your support as well. Don't miss class again, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Strongest. Uh, is that overtop throw you're talking about the Golson, the, the one Golson threw in the Oklahoma game? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an example of it, right? That was more of an ISO throw, Ryan, uh, mm-hmm. where you know, it's a little bit different, but yeah, same, same philosophy. Can you throw the ball over the top of the defense? And the thing about that throw too, Ryan, is that wasn't a quick hit your drop and throw. That was a play action pass wherever it stretched it and then yes. sank and then launched it downfield. I don't know if Tyler has the arm strength to make that specific throw, but from the same family, right? I mean, I, I think, would you agree, Ryan, that that's kind of the throw that we're talking about that yeah. he needs to be able to make? I think yeah. another throw is just that deep seam route, you know, being able to throw that ball over the top as well. But yeah, I think Hulk, I think that's a, that's exactly the kind of throw we're talking about. Here's an interesting question, Ryan. We're from Ryan Loftus. I'll get some super chats down here. We'll get to next, but from Ryan Loftus, he said, team, T- Tim, T- Tim Tebow, th- there was a conversation going on about Tim Tebow comparing Tyler mm-hmm. Buckner to Tebow. Yeah. And I, I saw this wasn't a question so much as a comment. I'm asking the question. Uh, okay in relation to Ryan's comment, Ryan said that Tim Tebow is probably the best quarterback in the last 25 years in college. He was a gamer. What are your thoughts on that comment? Cause I've heard this mentioned before and I, I have some thoughts on it, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. From a full resume, I could accept it. I mean, I'm trying to think of a couple guys that I think would be in the conversation. I mean, Trevor Lawrence would probably be one, right? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, most dynamic quarterback probably in the last 25 years that I've seen at least is probably Lamar Jackson. If I'm just thinking of it like that, like mm-hmm. that kid was just, that's the kid that I don't want to face the most if I'm a defensive coordinator, but I'd probably go with Tebow. I mean, he national championship winner, Heisman trophy winner, three dynamic seasons as the starter was even a valuable member of the, his freshman year behind Chris Leak. So like, I, yeah, I, I, I would accept that, that premise, Ryan, honestly. I wouldn't say he's the best. Uh, I, I think that he, best? well, I mean, I think, I think we're going to talk about a whole career, right? You know, I think there's been quarterbacks I think have been better. I think that, um, you know, as you kind of look back at different guys, I, I, like I wouldn't put Cam Newton over him because Cam played one year, right? And Tim Tebow beat out Cam Newton. Same but I think, Lamar, I think, yeah, I think Lamar's, Lamar's an option, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I think Joe Burrow's one year was so good. He at least has to be in the conversation. I think Trevor Lawrence should be in this conversation. Uh, you know, I mean, when you look at Tim Tebow's career, he has two championships, but only one of them was as a starter. I mean, he was the the backup quarterback on the first championship team in 06. That was Chris Leak's yep. team. He played on great teams, and Tim Tebow was a great player in a, in a winner. There's no Tim Tebow hate here. 
but I kind of feel like the the you know Vince Young I thought was a a, a you know to me and here's here's where I say that TBO was a great winner and a great player, but he also played on loaded teams. I kind of feel like you take Vince Young off that 05 Texas team and they're nine and three. You know, I, I it's just kind of how I feel about it. There's some really good players. I mean, Michael Huff and some no, but they Vince Young made that team, in my opinion. He he made them a championship team. I think Tim Tebow was was that way too, but mm-hmm. not to the degree that 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 Vince Young was. You know what I mean? I think so much of this goes down to championships, right, Ryan? And that's what people look at. Always a winner. Sure. Well, yeah, it's easier to win when you're playing on those loaded Florida teams. You know who else won a national title there? Chris Leak. Chris Leak won a national title with that on those Florida teams, right? It, you know, I'm not, no disrespect coach, to Chris Leak, but now, right? probably. Yeah. But, you know, it's just – to me, it's just like one of those things where – like somebody just said, I don't think 08 Florida is a championship team without Tim Tebow. They weren't a championship team because of Tebow. Their offense couldn't score on Oklahoma. They won that game because of their defense. Their defense stopped what well, up to that point in time was the most prolific offense in the history of college football. Held them to like 21 points, right? I mean, you know, they played that version of LSU and couldn't stop them. That's why they wasn't the final like 24 to 20, something like that, 24 21. I, I don't think that the defense score. did a phenomenal job in that game. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Tim Tebow. I just think sometimes he gets elevated a little bit higher than I think he should just because mm-hmm. of the hype around him from them. And that's the only thing I ever hated about Tim Tebow. It's just the nonstop drumbeat of him being shoved down our throat in every broad. Like I could be watching the game with two Big Ten teams and they're talking about Tim Tebow. You that's know, it's fair. just like, okay, enough. So he was a great player. He was a winner. He's one of – he's in the conversation of the greatest of the last 25 years. You know, but I'm throwing Matt Leinard in that conversation. I'm throwing Carson Palmer in that conversation. You know what I mean? Like, there's other guys, not so much Carson Palmer because he was more like had, you know, great at the end. But how are we not having Matt Leinard in this conversation? You know, well, the I knock mean, on him is, well, he, he had great players around him. Great players. Well, exactly. Yeah. But but yeah. why does why do we always say that about him, but we don't say the same thing about Tim Tebow? I mean, one of his teams, he had Aaron Hernandez, Percy Harvin. They had, I mean, look at all the guys he had on defense of those teams. You know what I mean? Like, he was playing on some loaded teams, too. Why sure. does it kind of get dismissed from Matt Leinart? Because, look, on that fourth and nine play against Notre Dame, the dude that made that play was Matt Leinart. I mean, yeah, Dwayne Jarrett caught it, but it was one of the, the best balls I've ever seen in a clutch moment that if he doesn't make that throw, they don't win the game. Right. And he won two titles. Matt Leiner won two titles as a starter in college. So that's kind of where I come from about about it is I just don't think it's a no brainer. He's in that he's that guy. I think there needs to be a conversation. And and, uh, you know, like I wouldn't like I wouldn't put Brady Quinn in it because Brady had two not very good years. You know, so, I mean, it, it needs to be like held to a high standard. Sure. But I just don't think it's a lock that Tebow's that guy. Tebow played on great teams and he and he he was the leader they needed to kind of get over the top but they still would have been really good without him. And, and that's just, you know, that's kind of why I don't quite put them to that level. Speaking of uh, quarterbacks, here, here's one from Archer 452. Who are the top 10 quarterbacks in college football this year? Most seem to think Young, Stroud, Williams are the top three in some order. Who are the next seven? Well, our top set, our top 10, we actually did this, Archer, and we do not have Caleb Williams number three. We had Caleb Williams five. So, Ryan – uh, you and I did a top 10 at Irish breakdown mm-hmm. and we disagreed on who was one and two. Yep. And so we took a staff vote and ended up being, we put CJ Stroud number one. 
Bryce Young number two. I had CJ one, you had Bryce two, which it was kind of like neither of us wanted to argue with the other one because we think they're both great quarterbacks. We just kind of, here's who we have. Yeah. And our number three was actually Hendon Hooker. And we both agreed on that. He's an yep. excellent, excellent player. Number four for us was Devin Leary. And then Caleb Williams was our number five. Yep. So uh, we didn't quite have that same order. And then six through 10 was, was more of a composite because we had some guys higher and lower, you know? So what we did was we took our two votes. We, we both did our rankings one to 15 and then sort of averaged where guys are. And that's how we got our IB top 10. We had Tyler Van Dyke six. We had Jake Hayner uh, from Fresno state seven. We had Phil Dracovic from BC eight. We had Brennan Armstrong from Virginia nine. And then Grayson McCall from coastal Carolina 10. And then just to finish up our, top 15 total because we did 15. Uh, we had Sam Hartman, 11. We had Tanner McKee from Stanford, 12. Malik Cunningham from Louisville, 13. Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, 14. And then Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, 15. And there was clearly a big drop off. And there's some guys that we didn't have in here that are super talented that could jump into this mix with big years. You know, Anthony Richardson's a guy that gets a lot of hype. He just hasn't done a whole lot, you know, for me to feel that way. A guy that we didn't have in there, a lot of people probably think we're nuts on is Will Levis, but neither Ryan nor I had him. You didn't have him in your top 15 either, correct? Not a, I don't not think as you a, did. Not, not yeah. as a general college quarterback. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that is our that is our top 15. Got a super chat from Connor Patton. He says, looking at the season schedule, which teams can a Drew Pine-led Notre Dame beat? And which teams will they definitely will be will they be defeated by? You want to take a crack at that one first, Ryan? I think personally, and this might be a hot take, I don't know. I think Drew Pine, a Drew Pine-led team can beat anybody on the schedule pretty regularly, aside from Ohio State and Clemson. Those are the two games where I think you need plus quarterback play. Like, you just can't have just solid to good quarterback play. Like, you need better than that to win those games. So I would say that I think that I think Drew Pine could comfortably go 10 and two with this Mm. year's team. But I think in order for them to go 11 and one or maybe 12 and oh, we'll see what happens. You need Tyler Buckner. You need that dynamic element. So I would say 10, 10 teams that Drew Pine could definitely beat in my opinion. I think so. And I don't think Notre Dame can't beat Ohio. I mean, who would be the two? Would you say it's, would you say it's definitely two or would you say it's, Okay, so it's definitely those two. Yes. You know, I think it's a situation where you, between Ohio State, BYU, Clemson, and USC, you go two and two is kind of where I'm at. Maybe you beat Clemson because it's at home, but you lose to USC at the end of the year. I think it's something like that. Can Notre Dame beat all four of those teams that drew Pine? I think so. It just yes. is harder. You're going to need your defense to be even better, and you're just going to need other guys to really step up and play. I think Notre Dame can beat anybody with Drew Pine. It's just harder. And it and it's harder to do it week after week after week after week. That's the thing for me. So I don't want to make it seem like if Drew Pine starts, it's automatically they're done. I mean, they went 12 and 0 with Ian right. Book as a starting quarterback. I don't mean any disrespect, but you know, Drew Pine can do that because they went 12 and 0 that year because of what was around him. And and that's the thing is I think this team has some of that like the 2012 team had some of that. But I just I don't think if you get into games where the offense is going to have to go win you the day against Ohio State, that he's good enough to do that. Right. You know, so um, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with that. So 
Let's get down to some more questions, Ryan. Thank and Connor. Thank you for the super chat very, very much. And I have another super chat from NRent520. Uh, he says, Does Matt Salerno have the ability to be a, to be a Chris Fink type of receiver? I haven't seen enough, Brian, to have a real opinion mm-hmm. on this. Like I saw I saw Matt Salerno in one practice. Other than that, I don't have I just haven't seen enough of him. You know what I mean? Like I haven't mm-hmm. seen enough practices where I feel comfortable saying one way or the other. I mean I know he had a really, you know, that one, that one practice I went to, he had a heck of a, a touchdown catch in the back of the end zone over, sure. I forget what corner it was, but like, it was an impressive catch, but like, I, I generally thought it just was, have uh, not seen enough of Salerno. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, uh, trying to think. I thought it was uh Jaden Mickey, but no, that's Tobias Merriweather beat him. No, I think it was, mm-hmm. I don't know who it was. I'm going to go back and look. It might've been a safety. I'm going to go back and look at that one. I know what yeah. you're talking about. It was a nice catch. Look, Matt Salerno is a good football player. He's a good yeah. athlete. It's just, you know, he's not he's not that guy. To me, Chris Fink was in a, a tremendous route runner, like a, a really, really good route runner. And I don't know if Matt is that guy. I'm with Ryan. I, I, I mean, I, you'd need to see more of him, but from what I've seen of him returning punts, I don't see the type of – like I thought Chris Tyree, short area explosiveness was really good. Didn't you, wasn't he like a 40 inch vertical guy, Fink, if I remember correctly? Like he, had a he pretty was, nice vertical, he was he? pretty high. Yeah. He was yeah. pretty high. Um, you know, so he, he was definitely up there, but he had, you know, ran like a four, five, seven, I think is what his 40 time was. Had really good shuttle times, all those type of things. Yeah. It's just a really, but his short area quickness was really good, which is why he was such a yeah. good route runner. So, you know, I just, they're different types of athletes. I just don't think that he is that kind of guy. I, I, I don't. I really don't. But I also think that that's kind of what hurt you against Clemson a little bit in 2018 is because he wasn't Hunter Renfro. He wasn't that kind of next-level player that if they're taking your other guys out, he's going to go get himself open and, and, and just be that guy. And, and, and honestly, I, I thought Chris Fink was also – got to remember where he came from. Mm-hmm. He played at the same high school Malik Zaire did, and there, I believe, were still an option team when Chris was coming out. So hit, part of his issue about being a walk-on – is he just didn't get the opportunity to show how good of an athlete he was because mm-hmm. of the way because of the playing at Kettering Alter. But I remember the first time I saw Chris Fink playing, I was like, yo, this kid's a division one athlete. Like, this kid is, I mean, he's small, but he's a division one athlete. This kid can play. I have never gotten that vibe from Matt Salerno, other than but for a man, this kid's a walk-on, but he's he's a pretty good walk-on. Yeah. I always thought Matt Chris Fink was like, that dude's a scholarship guy. And I think that's the difference between the two. So that uh, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with that. We had uh, let's see here. We had another question from a 100. Uh, he asked somebody else this, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this, Ryan. He said, uh, would you put Rattling in your top 10? We've seen him play a couple times. What other than recruiting rankings, what, what would be the case for Spencer Rattler as a top? Because I think we can make one. What if you were going to make a case for Spencer Rattler being a top 10 quarterback? What would it be? Right. Well, I think that two years ago you saw a lot of positive signs. I mean, I think he threw like 28 touchdowns and seven interceptions as a redshirt freshman. Like there were signs of really good stuff. And I think the biggest plus that you can say to try to get him in there, Brian, is that the kid is really talented. I mean, mm-hmm. he can throw the football, man. He's got he's got one of the best arms in college football, in my opinion. And it's just all the mental side with him, right? Like it's that's the big deterrence. I actually think he's a decent athlete too. Like, I don't think he's a great athlete, but like he can mm. work off script a little bit. He can do some of those things. So from a talent perspective, 
you could still be on a top 10 quarterback. And I think two years ago, going into last season, you were like, okay, if he takes the next step, like, yeah, sure. That, that looks like a good player, but it's just right now I couldn't put him in the top 10 just because last year was just so bad, man. Like he just, mm-hmm. it was just not great if we're being completely honest. So I have hope for him because I actually watched a little bit of the South Carolina spring game a couple of days ago. Cause I didn't, wasn't able to catch it, but mm-hmm. he looks comfortable and he's working in a pro style system now. And I know he's comfortable with Shane Beamer and he's kind of out of the spotlight a little bit, which I think is good going down to Columbia. So I have high hopes for Spencer Rattler. It's just, I have to see it first, you know, like right. I have to see it. That's why I wanted him to be in the top 15 because I think he's talented enough right. to be a top 10 quarterback. And that was exactly our conversation because at first we weren't going to have him in there. And then we're like, okay, let's project this a little bit. And it's a good year quarterback. I mean, there's not a bunch of elite guys, but there's a bunch of really good quarterbacks. So you can make right. a case for guys at 14 to be number six. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a, like I would say after number five, I don't necessarily think I'd lock anybody into like he's six and there's no doubt about it. And I'm not changing my mind. You know, I, can, I think there's going to be a lot of movement as the season goes on because it is a good year. And I think he could be one of those guys. And look, he's playing in South Carolina. It's one of the lowest profile places in, in the SEC. He's not going to have the same attention on him. And to your point, Randy, he is a, in 2020 in the only 11 games, he completed 67.5% of his passes. For 3,031 yards, 9.6 yards per attempt, which is really good. 28 touchdowns, seven picks, and he had a quarterback rating of 172.56. Yep. So for comparison's sake, so again, 67.5% completions, 9.6 yards per attempt, 172 quarterback rating. Last year, Caleb Williams is a freshman. Now, again, Spencer was a redshirt freshman in 2020. But last year as a freshman, Caleb Williams completed 64.5 of his passes. He threw, he averaged 9.1 yards per pass attempt and had a quarterback rating of 169.63. So, you know, I just, you just look at the production on a per play basis. The reality is, is, is he was a better player. He just turned, he, he looked, he, he, I don't think he handled having Caleb Williams there very well, to be honest yeah. with you. Mentally hurt him a little yes, bit. Yes. <laughs> I think he, yeah. he felt like I have to force things. Like I have to, you know, I have to, and he, he threw, Last year, Spencer Rattler completed 74.9% of his throws because he threw a lot of short stuff, but he threw five picks. And he, a guy that completes 74.9% of his throws should not be averaging 7.9 yards per attempt. That just tells you he was completing a lot of short stuff. But he threw 11 touchdowns and five picks. He threw five picks in 187 attempts the year before and 317 attempts, he only threw seven. And, you know, I think a lot of it, Ryan, had to do with just the fact that I think he was pressing. And that's yes. why I bring up the whole aspect of of being at South Carolina because there's not the same pressure on him. There's no other quarterback he's worried about. And you can take from that however you want, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. The reality is, is that's that it is the reality with Spencer Rattler, and I think that's going to take some of the pressure off. No one's expecting him to lead South Carolina to a national championship like he had that pressure to do at Oklahoma. And I think it's going to help him be productive now. The thing that's going to move him into the top 10 for me, Ryan, is he's going to have to lead them to an upset victory. He's going to have to beat something they're not supposed to beat, and he's going to have to play well against the best teams. His production this year, I bet, is going to be top 10 worthy. But is, how is he going to be in the big moments? That's going to be the big question for me. That's going he's to be got, the key. He actually does quietly have a lot of talent around him, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, they have wide receiver Josh Vans, a good football player. Jaheim Bell's a good tight end. They Austin Stogner transferred from Oklahoma. They have the Marshawn Lloyd kid at running back. If he could ever stay healthy, he's a really talented player. And then they had 
Christian Beale Smith that was at Wake Forest, who was a pretty good running back that just transferred over there as well. So he's got some talent to work with, man. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he can, can I hope that he can fulfill his potential, Brian. I do because yeah. if if he's able to humble himself a little bit, he's got a lot of talent. I mean, there was a reason that people were so excited about him going into last year right. because he can throw the football, man. He's got a right. great talent to him. I always thought he was overrated from the standpoint of being like the number one quarterback in the class, mm-hmm. but he was always talented. It was never about, oh, he's overrated. He doesn't have ability. He's got ability. I just probably would have had him maybe second, third, or fourth in that class. It, that, sure. That's technically overrated. It doesn't mean that you think a guy's not good. Like we were talking about that D tackle that just committed to an SEC school yesterday. I don't even want to say his name because it's disrespectful, but I'm like, there's one outlet that ranked him in the top 30. I'm like, that dude's not even a top 250 guy. That's the kind of overrated you think. So when I say overrated, I don't mean it like that. I think he was still a very good top 30 player coming out of high school. I just didn't think he should have been the number one quarterback in his class. Fair. But the the talent is certainly there. The talent is certainly there. I I want to bring this up because a lot of people are bringing it to the chat. Here's the, here's the deal, folks. This is our philosophy. And this is, I don't care what anybody else does. They they're, they're entitled to do whatever they want. All right. And this is not no disrespect to anybody else. Like I said, I'm going to run my business the way that I want to run it and how we choose to run it. And others can do that. And it's a free country and you can do that. The one thing that we're adamant about, and and I know Ryan supports this, is it is not our job because we're talking sports here, not real life. We're not covering some corrupt Watergate political thing, right? We're talking sports. If a kid is going to commit to a school or decommit from a school, we will say enough that you kind of have an idea what's coming but we're not going to come out and say it because it's not our place to break that news so anytime a kid is going to commit we're not going to say we're not going to do crystal balls we're not going to do projection machines or prediction machines and all that kind of stuff we'll give you the intel we dropped intel last night that let people know that there's some things in the works okay but we're not going to come out and report that we're not going to respond to those questions because it's not our news to break it is the young men that are making these decisions. It's their news to break. When they break it and they make it, we will talk about it. But we're not going to tell you who's going to commit. We're not going to tell you who's going to decommit. Other people want to do that. That's that's fine. That is their business. I am not criticizing those people. We just don't do that. And I and, and people need to understand that. And, and I know that most of you respect that. But that's why we're not talking about what you're all talking about in the chat. When the young man makes his decision, We'll address it one way or the other. So uh, beyond that, we're just not going to discuss the topic that's being discussed there. It, it's, you know, like I said, if you're on the message board last night, you have an idea of what's happening, and that's where we're going to leave it, okay? Mm-hmm. Milton Fan 15 asks, uh, can Avery Davis redshirt and play next season? So we, I, me and Brian actually talked about this, Milton. So here's the thing. Avery Davis would be in his sixth year. This year, this year is his sixth year. So he had a red shirt and then he has the COVID year, which is right. why he was able to come back for his sixth year and have passed the five year of eligibility there. He can technically petition the NCAA to get a waiver to, to come back for a seventh year. The thing is though, and Brian could probably fill in a little more is that w- since only one year was lost to fully to injury, that may be tough for him to get that waiver. It's not impossible, right. but there are some questions whether that petition would be granted right. to him to have the extra year. Because I believe the rule is if you lose two years from medical, that's almost an automatic you're getting your sixth year. It's not always the same when it's you just redshirted a year as a freshman. 
and then had an injury. Avery never had any other medical injury. Now, he did miss time last year because of an injury. I'm talking from a red shirt. So he got hurt in like game eight or nine last year, right? Yeah. So he clearly used up all of his eligibility. So he would be able to petition because this would be a second medical issue. It's just with the NCAA, and you all are going to be shocked that I'm going to say this, right? And I say this sarcastically. The NCAA is a little inconsistent on how they apply this rule. Shocker, I know. I, I know. Pick your jaws, jaws up off the ground. You're shocked that the NCAA is inconsistent with decision making, right? That there's no method to their madness. I know that's a, a wild comment to make. The other thing is, I don't know if Avery would want it, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, this is now a second knee injury. I, I honestly, for me, I hope he does. I hope he tries to come back because I, I, I really believe that it's he's no chance of getting drafted now with no. two knee injuries in a row. Maybe he can come back and 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 prove himself healthy. He'll either a do one of two things: a position himself to maybe sneak into the back of the draft. Because I think if he plays this year, he gets drafted. I, I I've said that. I think he does. If he has a year, we talk about you know be a fifth to seventh round pick. No chance of that now. I it made me hard for him to get signed, you know, because he he's he's gonna miss so much of the last two years. And here's the thing: he's a great kid. Would love to see him get to end his career by playing. And look, you're going to have a need next year. I'd rather take him back as a seventh as a seventh year guy, and have his leadership and his character. Let him get a second master's degree, whatever the case may be, than go get some grad transfer to provide depth for a year. You know, because then it's like, hey, look, we can't promise you playing time because we don't know who you're going to be, but we would love to have you back because you're going to provide leadership and mentorship. And I mean, he's almost like a GA. I mean, he would be the age of most GAs. He's a seventh year senior. And you don't tell me he couldn't help Coach Stuckey with those kids, you know, when he's not taking reps or whatever. I would love to have him back. I just don't know if that's what Avery wants to do. I don't, and, and what I mean is, I don't even know if Avery knows what he wants to do. He this just happened Friday, you know. So I don't really know what he's going to do. I would take him back if I had the room, Ryan. I would. I just I agree. And the injury was so early that he's going to be a full year removed from the surgery by the time next year starts. Yep. You know, he was he was coming back from an injury he had in October this last time late October. And, uh, and for those who don't know, he, he tore the second knee. So it was like, meaning like he, the opposite knee, I should say of what he tore last year, which is even more unfortunate. Which unfortunately happens when you overcompensate for an injury yeah. sometimes, unfortunately. And it's hard but, to measure that. Like you can't, yeah. there's no test to show that that's, you know, that the stability of the, the other one, is, I don't believe is that way. I don't think so. so. That's kind of where we're at. So yeah. very unfortunate. Yes, very much. So Connor Patton, uh, said, is there any word on Xavier Watts getting moved or not? I have not heard. Uh, Notre Dame has had practice today, so I, I don't. We they kind of started interviewing shortly before we started the show. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, I should uh, actually. I'm going to ask Sean Styers that question. Let me ask him real quick. All right. So I asked Sean Styers who was at the press conference today, but I have not heard anything yet about that. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. But I'll try to find out, and as soon as we find out, we'll we'll definitely let y'all know because that would be a very interesting conversation to have. There, there is a couple interesting options, I think. Yeah. Right for I think he's the only one that can help that. you right now. Like I've people yeah. mentioned Jaden Bellamy, who was a pretty decent high school receiver. Sure, uh, but he doesn't help you right now. He's a freshman, right? Yeah. Like he, you know. I think you're mostly just supplementing pass passing game production in other ways right sure. like through running backs through tight sure. ends like that type of right. thing you know but the reason i the reason i talk about xavier is because i actually think he can move and play 
Right. Like I think Xavier can help you. He's got three years in the strength program. He's played in this offense before. I just don't think Jaden Bellamy would – I think you'd be putting him in a bad spot unless you plan on just moving him and keeping him there and say, look, we're going to move you there and, you know, we're going to let you develop there. You're not going to help us much this year. Although, you know, he could be a good scout team guy, but he's not going to help you this year. I would mm-hmm. actually be honestly be okay moving both of them, mm-hmm. meaning one for now and then one for – because I'm not real high on Jaden Bellamy as a corner. I'm just, I'm just not. Maybe it'd be a decent save, but his body type is he's a he's a safety talent in a cornerback's body. Yeah. I actually think he's a decent receiver where maybe he could be a slot receiver for you down the road. And so you're moving him now because you you're you're the depth for the future, mm-hmm. but you also know he's not gonna help you really a whole lot this year, at least not early. Right. Then move Xavier because Xavier can help you now. I mean, you move Xavier, watch the receiver, and within a couple practices, I think he's caught up. For at least enough to block, catch some screens, run some crossing routes, and run some go routes, you know. So I, I just I don't think I think that Jaden Bellamy helps you fill out a, a roster a depth chart better, but I don't know if he necessarily helps you this year win games. I think Xavier Watts to me can go help mm-hmm. you win games, and I think you have enough depth at safety and corner to make both of those moves, in my opinion. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have a comment here from Michael Holly says, love your channel. Thank you, Michael. Sitting here recovering from surgery and you guys got, got, get me through my days. Sorry to hear about that, man. And about, I mean, sorry to hear that you've had your surgery. Hope you're healing well. And, uh, but we're glad to help. His question was Ryan. And again, we'll be praying for you, Michael, and, and hope you have a speedy recovery. He said, will the freshmen get more of an opportunity to play now under the staff or are their traits not there? I love the pettiness that he threw right there. That's so wonderful, Michael. So wonderful. Ryan, my expectation is, is that freshmen are going to have to earn it like everybody else, sure. but they will be given an opportunity to earn it. They're not going to purposely hold back freshmen the way that I think we saw in past years. Yeah. I, I don't think and, we will. And that's one of my biggest things I'm looking forward to is, I mean, there were times, Ryan, like let's call it what it is, where in the past I'm just like, why is that guy not playing until now? You know, like it, it, that guy couldn't have contributed in any capacity Last year, like there, there's been so many of those instances. I mean, I know you talked about Kyron Williams when he was a true freshman. Like he probably should have played a little bit, you know, like he should have. Uh, I mean, at some point, there's no and, need not to play him, especially when you go to the Georgia game and you have one healthy other running back in Tony right. Jones. Right. So you purposely chose not to try and run the ball against Georgia because your depth issues, because part of your depth issues were you refused to play Kyron more. And I actually think he, uh, it might actually got in early in that game, but they just weren't going to play him because they, you know, and that was a Kelly decision. I was told. I was told the coaching staff wanted to play Kyron that year. I was told that by two coaches. Kelly vetoed that and said, "Nope, we're going to redshirt him." A running back. So disappointing, man. Well, and I'll say this: with how much Coach Freeman has continued to reiterate competition, if a freshman earns it, I don't think that he'll shy away from playing them because yeah. that's the whole thing about competition is. And players know this, right? If you continuously preach competition, 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 and freshman is clearly one of the best players and he doesn't play, 
then the competition thing gets thrown out the window because you're like, but what? why didn't he he earn that? Did he not? So in any capacity, if you're going to preach the competition thing, if a freshman is able to earn a spot, he needs to play. If not, you're just, you're, you're, you're not, you're not fulfilling your philosophy at that point. Like you are just kind of saying things to say it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think there are a couple of freshmen that could potentially contend for playing time. I really do. I hope so. I mean, that's the thing is I hope we see some freshmen and look, we're already seeing it with Jaden Mickey. Yeah. I mean, they, they have not been afraid to throw Jaden Mickey onto the first team to get reps at a nickel and outside and give him opportunities to earn playing time. It's not even like you held him back, but he just was too good and he forced him on the field. Like from the minute Jaden Mickey got here, he's like, okay, kid, show me what you got. And he stepped up and made op- took advantage of those opportunities. Junior two Alamaca. They're giving him a legitimate chance to push the veterans in front of him. Will it, Matt, will it end up paying off? Will he beat those guys out? Don't know. He's getting a chance. You know, Tyson Ford. I, I've heard some really good things about Josh Burnham in fall camp so far. I fully expect that Josh Burnham not even be a conversation piece because he just moved over to Viper in, like late in the spring. But I've heard like, yo, that kid's got a level of twitchiness that just you don't see a whole lot. Right now, yeah. will he play a lot this year? I don't know. But if that kid's out there making plays every week, they're going to find a role for him. So, you know, and then, of course, Benjamin Morrison's getting opportunities. Jalen Sneed's coming along. You know, Nolan Ziegler uh, had to miss a couple days because of an illness. But, like, when he's been healthy, like, these kids are getting – and, of course, Tobias Merriweather is getting a ton. And I was told I was told by somebody that, that, that Jadarian Price wasn't just playing well for a freshman. Jadarian Price was challenging the veterans for starting job. Now, part of that was because Chris Tyree was hurt in the spring but that he out at times outplayed the other running backs in the spring. Right. I mean, that's how good he was. And of course I guarantee you both of the freshman tight ends are going to play this year. So we're going to see the freshman class a lot. Some of it is out of need for being honest, but I don't care how many receivers they had. Tobias Merriweather was going to play this year. I don't care if they had nine receivers back on scholarship. Don't care. I mean, Jordan Johnson was back and the rent Lawrence keys and all those guys were back. Jay Brunel, all the guys that transferred, Tobias Mary wasn't going to play this year, you know? So that's just the reality of it. So I, I my, to answer your question, Michael, I agree with Ryan. I do think we're going to see them get an opportunity. Now it's up to them to say, you've been given it. What are you going to do with it? And that's what wasn't happening in the past, Ryan. It was just, just no, well, they didn't earn taking advantage of opportunity. You've got to be given an opportunity to earn it. Take advantage of it, yeah. Right. You know, like, and, and that's the reality of it, so. You know, it's 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 not always as simple as people make it out to be. I'm really interested in seeing the Joshua Burnham thing at Viper, though, man. Like yeah. that's, I think eventually what Keon, uh, Keon Kelly, what I'm sorry, but that's it's all good. What, <laughs> I know it's on your mind. <laughs> what Isaiah Foskey is at Viper is eventually what maybe the big end might look like more, and you might get a guy like a Joshua Burnham who's more of that drop end Viper type, right? Because I mean, we talked about, like, why is Isaiah Foskey in coverage so much? You know, it's the design of the defense, blah, 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 blah. Well, Joshua Burnham could actually do that stuff, and he could probably do it really, really well. So, interesting yeah. player in that spot. When he's long, he's athletic. You know, And yeah. then Aiden Gobira, I've heard, is, you know, he's got a long way to go size-wise, you know, strength-wise. Mm-hmm. But I heard some really good things about him recently as well, that, you know, like, maybe this isn't the year he plays because you've got, you know, you have Justin Adamiola, you have – uh, Isaiah, Fo- I almost did it too. You have Isaiah Foskey, you know, Burnham, you know, he may need a year, but he's like, I have not, I have yet to hear from anyone. And, and look, I'll be honest with you. Usually two weeks in the fall camp, I always get some kind of note like, uh, this guy isn't quite where we had hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. You always hear that. I've yet to hear that about any of the guys on defense, awesome. any of them that we, that we like. 
And I'm only saying that about defense because I haven't been able to ask about any of the freshmen on offense other than guys we've already talked about, right? So, like, Tobias, the tight end, they're all doing really well. Like, the linemen, way too early for them. It's more the skill that you start to hear that because you see, like, wow, athletically, this guy is not where we thought he was he was or where he was going to be. Because it's, it's a quicker way. transition. Lineman right. is like a longer development. Right, because, yeah, you're getting right. hit in the face by – you. like, Billy Strouth doesn't go against guys that were bigger than him in high school very often, if ever. Right. He's doing that every day at Notre Dame, you know, I'll, with the different I'll drills. say this, Brian. I know that we've talked about, you know, Ty Chan start playing more inside the start. I saw him next to uh, Blake Fisher, though, in a picture. I was like, oh, that's a big yeah. boy, man. Yeah. That's, a, that's big a big boy. boy. <laughs> yes, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. There's a question about Xavier Watts here from Jamie Nelson. And Jamie said, could Watts play both sides of the ball? Possibly just come in for some different receiving package. I'd be okay with that, too. Like, personally, and this, this is probably my bias – because of how good I think he could be at receiver, you know, as soon as you start thinking about him, my bias kicks in. Like I, I think you're going to have to kind of play him at least early on, let him focus over there to, to get caught up to speed to the terminology and stuff. But could I see a scenario in which he is needed at safety and receiver and a receiver, he's given you 20 snaps a game and you're, he can run a hitch, a slant, a now screen, a go route, a cross and a drag. It's not that complicated. You know, and he can go block because you know Xavier's going to block, right? I mean, you know he's going to battle. And he's got really good ball skills for a kid who's only about six feet tall. Like, I was told he would, like, win one-on-ones all the time against DBs at six foot. He's a tough, strong kid. So my bias, Jamie, makes my answer automatically no. And I think I said this Saturday when we were talking about it. I was like, no, he's got to play one side. But if I'm – if I take my bias away and I and I and I take a step back from my gut reaction, Ryan, I do think it's possible that Xavier could help you out at both spots, especially if he's not a starter on either side. You know, I do think there's a, there could be that a little bit. It's fair. It's fair. I, I always I really struggle with the both sides of the ball type of thing sometimes, to your point. Like it's I guess maybe it's the former coach, I guess, type of thing where I'm just like, I want a guy to just focus on one thing and be really good at one thing, but if you're in this this position, Jamie, I think Brian makes a solid point where you can compartmentalize his role as an offensive player where, like, you can get reps out of him and you can have that type of thing, but also you're not still taking the development away from him at safety. That's, like, what you like long-term. So I think there is some merit to that idea. Mm-hmm. Then a follow-up question we get a lot, and this is a good one from Sean Kane. He says, if, if you move Watts to receiver, and, again, this is all ifs. We have not heard anything that this is going to happen. So this is just – hypotheticals talking in a show. If you move Watts to receiver, then do you need to move a young corner like Riley to safety because they may lose Joseph Houston and TJ after this year? That's a really good point. Uh, that's a really good point. Uh, to me, I there are some safeties. There are some corners that I think it's time to move to safety. I think it's time to move Philip Riley to safety. Yeah. I think when you look at Mickey and Morrison doing really well, you know, Barnes and Chance Tucker, I've heard, are both doing really well. They're tech, I mean, they're redshirt freshmen. They have four years of eligibility. They have four corners on the roster right now that have four years of eligibility left. And you got two dudes coming in next year that I think in certain ways could help you out early on. I think it's kind of like Philip Riley is, is too good of an athlete not to find a role for. And I think and this is kind of what we talked about when he signed. I want to see him get a shot at corner. But if he can't stick, move him to safety because he's a strong kid. I think, I think if, if, if I was going to move Xavier full-time to receiver and like, look, dude, we're making this move and it's the last time we're moving you like that. You're, you're just, this is where you're going to be. Then I would definitely look at moving Philip Riley to safety. 
I definitely would do that because I think that's I, where he probably has the best chance to play. I, I've talked a little bit about Riley also kind of playing a little bit in the nickel at times too. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can make it kind of interchangeable with the safety position too, yeah. right? Because they'll like both safety. play nickel. You have safeties right. playing nickel and corners yep. playing nickel. You're absolutely yep. right, Ryan. And I mean, you could even, in, depending on what package you're in, Brian, like if you're in base, you could also just, you know, play single high and roll him down into it being a nickel, you know, like the, kind of a rotation down. So I think we're, Riley's a really physical player, man. He's well put together. I liked him a lot coming out of high school. So I would like to find a spot for him too. Maybe he's a guy that could also cross train a little bit between that nickel and that safety position. So I think it's an interesting player to keep an eye on as far as long-term developments concerns. I mean, he's, it makes sense. His style definitely fits in safety if we're being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just think the transition of what they're trying to do defensively, I think it would just fit a little bit better as well. Ryan Loftus said, uh, might be an unpopular pos- opinion, but Jaden Thomas is going to be a viable wide receiver too. He's going to break out. I don't think it's unpopular. I think it's maybe not common because he's just sure. not a guy a lot of people talk about. But I've never heard anyone say that they don't want Jaden Thomas to break out or that he won't break out. I, I don't think that at all. I think maybe it's a little uncommon because most people are focusing on, you know, Lorenzo, Braden, you know, guys that have been here and played before. My whole thing with Jaden Thomas is I just got to see him do it in the game. I mean, the kid has literally never played a snap of college football. But everything I hear, and Ryan and I talked about this, which is why the blue-gold game was so important for him in our view, is we've been hearing since last December about how good Jaden Thomas looks. He's healthy. He's making plays. He's really athletic, all these other things. It's like I've never seen the kid play. He never played a snap of college football yet. Then we heard the same thing in the spring, and then the couple practices you guys were at this spring, he just didn't really do anything to stand out. Then he gets to the blue-gold game. It's like, okay, that's what they're talking about. Now we understand what they're talking about. And then we saw it in the first practice. I mean, Vince said the most – I think it was Vince. Was it Vince or Sean? I think it was Vince said in the first practice that, like, dude, the most impressive guy they had today was Jaden Thomas. He was the he was, he was was the guy making the most plays. I think Vince was – I think it was think Vince, Vince that said that. Vince, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so – I mean, there, that's not. I was told by somebody at one point in time, and and and, and we'll see if the tr- this was when Avery Davis was still healthy. I had somebody say to me, "Don't be surprised if at some point in time this year the starting receivers are Jaden Thomas, Lorenzo Styles, and Tobias Merriweather." With then, because the the thought would be, you know, Braden, Braden, and Lorenzo kind of moving in and out. Braden, you know, kind of doing what we've talked about, do managing the reps, and then kind of having him be your your big play guy off the bench. I don't know if I would do if I would go there or if they would if that would be the case, but look, there's a lot. No one at Notre Dame is counting out Jaden Thomas, and I actually had a, a buddy I know today who's got some connections who texted me. He's like, "Yeah, they love Jaden Thomas." So I don't think it's unpopular at all, Ryan. And I, I think you could be onto something. So Kids, t- look, I gave him a four star grade coming out of high school, despite the fact he didn't do much of anything as a senior. And this is the thing that people have to understand: the the whole I, I've never seen him do a whole lot isn't just about what he's done at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a chance to see him do much in high school either because he was banged up his last couple of years. I mean, in 2020, he only played seven games because of COVID and he was dealing with turf toe all year. So he caught 28 passes for 432 yards. As a junior in 2019, he only played five games because of an injury and he only caught 21 passes for 238 yards and one touchdown. I mean, his best year was this fr- – was his sophomore year when he had 42 catches for 696 yards and five touchdowns. That's not the production of a guy that you're going to say, he's going to go to Notre Dame and be a dude, Stud, yeah. right? But the tools were always there. I mean, he was a center fielder for their baseball team. He got recruited by some D1 schools to play baseball. Notre Dame talked to him about maybe playing baseball. It's just the kid is never healthy. 
And that's the big thing. It's hard for me to project a kid. Like, it'd be a total homer move for me to watch a kid who basically was injured for the last two years of his high school career and say, that's going to be a dude. But that's exact. But the talent was there, Ryan, which is why he earned a four-star grade. Because you could see it when he, in the few games he was healthy, you're like, if this kid can stay healthy, he's got some talent. And that's what makes him unique. And he supplements a lot of opportunities from the, I mean, you, we talk about the depth concerns of wide receiver now, even more than it was. Jane Thomas is the type of kid that can line up everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So that could also help with depth issues. The fact that you have a player that is versatile, lineman versatile. So, yeah, I mean, look, Ryan, like I am very much hoping that Jane Thomas is a breakout star because Notre Dame needs a couple of these wide receivers to break out. Like they need it. And this type of kid, again, is the player, if, if him and Lorenzo Styles are the two guys that could break out this year, like really break out, they're guys that both of them can move around a ton. Yeah. So you can do a lot of things with those two, two, two different types of players. So I right. really hope that you are right that Jane Thomas is a breakout star. Right. Because so. to your point, like let's say Dion and Tobias both ball out at W. You play Jaden at X and Z. I mean, he can right. literally play both of those positions. Let's say those that Dion and Tobias don't ball out. You put him at W. I mean, he really can do a lot of different things, and that makes him unique. So, and it, to Ryan's point, they need at least one of him and Dion to step up. If not, up to between Dion, Jaden, and Tobias Merriweather, they need two of them to be ready to play this year. It, you know, and not ideally all all three, but they need at least two to be ready to play this year. Mm-hmm. So th- there, there's no doubt about it. Chief Brody did give us a super chat at the beginning, and I completely missed it, Chief. I apologize, buddy. What's good, boys? Uh, talking ball, man. That's always good. <laughs> That's always fun. We had an interesting question here from Christopher Galloway. I liked this one, Ryan. Christopher Galloway says, uh, Brian, if the offense was just looking at speed, who would be on the field? I think that's very fascinating. So uh, the quarterback is easy, Tyler Buckner. Running back is easy, Chris Tyree. You're definitely going to have Lorenzo Styles and Brayden Lindsey on the field. A week ago, if you'd have asked this question, I would have said Avery Davis would be in the slot. I'd put Lorenzo at boundary, Brayden at X, and I'd have Avery in the slot because Avery yeah. is a was a sub four or five guy. Now that he's out, I think it's a little bit more of a question mark. Uh, and Tobias at W, maybe. And yeah, then, and yeah. or Jaden at W because I think they're yeah. similar in the speed category. Neither of them are burners. Sure. Yeah, uh, and at tight end, if you're just going for speed, Eli Raritan probably <laughs> putting it. And, and and we're not even making a joke about the ten yard split. I mean, just honestly. No. If they all ran 40 times today, I think either him or Kane Barong would be the fastest. It'd be one of those yes. two. Agreed. Now, I'd still put Michael Mayer there because I'd give me a little bit of beef to protect the speed. And I don't care. I mean, Michael Mayer is just good at everything. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. But if it's just about speed, right? To answer Chris's question, then I think Raritan or Barong would be the that's picks. Fair. All right. That's all a fast time. unit, dude. Like that's some flat speed right there. If you put if all those guys are in the field at the same time. Yes. Whew. All right. Offensive line. We gotta do it. Uh no, <laughs> come on. No, we're offensive line doesn't count. You're just come looking on. for the best They're players. Athletes, oh, if we're just talking about speed, though, I mean, you're gonna have a Neil Wagner somewhere, right? If we're yes. if we're being serious, you're gonna have them there. You're gonna have Ashton Craig probably there. I mean, pick your most athletic guys, and that's really gonna be it. But whatever. Joe Alt, former tight end, it's probably yes. in that conversation. He, sure. Like legitimately in that conversation, sure, but Jared Patterson can run too. Yeah, so I yeah. We're we're, we're we're with offensive linemen. We're not going for speed. We're going for we're gonna go for guys who can protect that speed. How about that's that? Fair. That's fair. See, Chris Ryan's always trying to start stuff. Absolutely love I'm it. I'm just trying to give the big men some. some, some I get it. Man. Athletes I too. get it. I get it. I'm with you. 
It's got a couple more here before we get out of here. Mr. 2.0, very fair question. He goes, am I the only one that thinks people are underrating USC this year? And if so, why am I wrong? Well, number one, all the ranking services uh, would agree with you because they have USC in the top 15. ESPN has them in the top five right. uh, of the season. So I think it's mostly Notre Dame fans. I think it's probably what he's referring to. Mm-hmm. So uh, if why so why Ryan is he wrong for thinking that USC? Let's just say from a Notre Dame fandom, because I think where his point is very valid is I think most Notre Dame fans, at least in our chat and on our board, including us, mm-hmm. don't think USC is going to all of a sudden be a top ten football team this year. So yeah. why why I, we get why he people feel that way? Quarterback, skill players, all that stuff, right? But why, if if we're right and he's wrong, mm-hmm. what would be the reasons why? Because I'm a traditionalist that I understand the need for a really good quarterback. I think Caleb Williams can be that. We saw flashes of that last year. You need skill position players. Good there. But I am a traditionalist in the fact that I believe that an offensive line and a defense are still paramount to winning football games, right? So I think when you're looking at the USC offensive line, they have Andrew Voorhees. That's a pretty highly rated player. I think he's a good, solid offensive lineman. Other than that, I don't think there's a ton of good offensive linemen around him. And I think the defense is n- not great from a talent perspective. So you are missing a great defense. You are missing a very good offensive line. You have limitations, I think, in both the departments. So I think that will limit a little bit of what the offensive firepower can bring. So that is why I am hesitant on USC, just because I think that places that are still paramount to being good at football – I don't think they have a lot of talent in that department. What he said. Next question. We have a super sticker from Ryan Loftus. Ryan, you know it's not often that somebody can answer a question that I was going to comment on. And I'm like, well, he, he nailed it. So well done. Very well done. Uh, Ryan Loftus with a super sticker. Ryan, thank you very, very much for that. I believe this is going to be our last one from 99 Props BK1. Sorry behind and catching up. Regarding Lions. Would a Chris Olave from Ohio State be a good comp, assuming Lions hits his ceiling? That's not – so I'll, I'll say I think Lions is a little longer, so he might be a little bit of a different player. But I, I can get with the smoothness part of it, right? Like I think he kind of lulls you to sleep as a route runner and just kind of as a as a long speed type of guy, 99 problems. So I can get there with that comp. I just – I do think that Lions is a little bit longer. And, I mean, Chris Olave was – I don't, I never saw him coming out of high school, but like at least the college version of him, he was very refined, right? Like he mm-hmm. had a high floor because he just good route runner, consistent separator, all those good things. So I, I can't, and he's always, he was always that way, Ryan. Was he? I mean, he was was the, yeah. As, I don't know about high school, but even as a freshman, when he got on the field late, like the yeah. kid could run routes. 100%. He could run yeah. routes. So I think that style wise, though, there's some tangible, con- I, I like it. I can get there. I think there's smoothness. Okay. I think there's upside as a route runner. And I think it's kind of like sneaky speed. I know Olave mm-hmm. ended up running like four three nine, but like I thought Olave kind of like lulled you to sleep as an athlete down the field a lot. And I could see that with a Tayshawn Lyons. So I kind of, I kind of like that comp. I think there's some merit there. Very good question. Very good answer. Very well done all around. So Matt D has it nailed, folks. Hit that like button. Hit the sh- hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Subscribe to the channel. You'll never want to miss a live show. Uh, join the IB message board. We have a lot going on. A lot of the questions that people want asked, uh, we talk about there because we have a business to run. And that's kind of what we do. And we want to have a place that is sort of a, you know, sort of a bit of a private club that you're welcome to join. And uh, and, and you'll get all this stuff as, as soon as we get it. 
and uh, tons of insight. We dropped a little bit of a team intel piece, Ryan, yesterday. Did you get a chance to check that out? Uh, some interesting stuff in there. And then, of course, we'll always keep doing some digging here as we get closer and closer to the season. So, uh, And then, of course, you can just get a chance to talk ball all day with fellow Notre Dame fans. And who doesn't want a piece of that? So uh, thanks, everybody, so much for being with us today. Six o'clock tonight, Sean Styers, Vince D'Addario are going to talk about Notre Dame. They're going to talk more about the quarterback. They're going to talk about Avery Davis. Where does this team go next? Talk about the press conferences, all that different stuff. So you get to talk to them tonight. And then we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and we're going to talk about uh, – we're going to kind of stay on offense this week. We're going to go off quarterbacks today. We're going to talk about the skill players tomorrow, running backs, receivers. Talk about the O-line tight ends on Wednesday. And then Thursday we're going to have some fun. We're going to do our all-opponent team of the other team's offense. So we're going to kind of give you a clue of you know, who are the top offensive players that are going to face. We'll begin with just the all-opponent team. Then we'll have some fun at the end and say, where would Notre Dame guys be if they were included in this list? And we'll have some fun with that there. And then next week we'll do defense. We'll, we'll go D-line, linebacker, secondary, and then all opponent team defense. So that gives you a glimpse into what this next week is going to be like. So make sure you are locked in, everybody. Hit that like, subscribe, notification. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. And, and subscribe to the CFB Nation channel on YouTube and on Apple podcast and spotify so definitely check that out we're gonna have some stuff dropping this week for ryan i'm brian have a great day everybody thanks for joining us on the irish breakdown podcast